0: Alan Finlay is, of course, a great friend of the program and is a respected traffic engineer and transport planner. His family has had 12 Holdens over the years, with a predominance in the early part, I believe, and Alan joins us on the line. Alan, I looked at your first six cars. The first five, from an FE to an EH, were specials, and the next one, an HK, was a Premier. Were you the rich family in the street we all envied? (laughs)
1: <laughs> no, not at all, David. We were uh, very much a middle-class family, but something, I don't know what it was, in 1969, probably with a bit of goading from me, convinced my father that he should go up a level and uh, and get the Premier for his next car. The other thing I remember about that car is that um, I talked him into the more powerful 186S six-cylinder motor rather than just the 186. 186-
0: it was a time, wasn't it? The S was a performance car. I mean, they raced some at Battist, wasn't it? Or was that the earlier ones, the X2 with the HD Holden? But even the special ones, I mean, they were specials, but they weren't special in any sort of luxurious way that we come to know now.
1: Oh, absolutely not. Uh, I mean, the FC Holden, I remember well, which was my mother's car, uh, which was bought second hand, I think, when it was about four years old. I remember some very cold trips in that car going up to the Blue Mountains in winter with no heater and of course no radio and uh, we all had to take blankets and um, other stuff to keep us warm. And that was the
0: special. Now you raced an E.H. Holden. Was there great success with that?
1: Like I wouldn't say great success. It was a it was a, a bog standard Holden uh, EH 179 manual. So it had the the larger 179 cubic inch motor, manual transmission. It was not the the much coveted S4, which was a special Bathurst edition that Holden put together uh, to try and win uh, Bathurst, which had slightly better brakes and a few other things. But um, I wouldn't say it was uh, greatly successful. But in its class. Uh, which I think was in the 2000 to 2001 to 3000cc category for standard uh, production cars, Uh, on a good day, I could be up in the sort of second or third place getter uh, situation.
0: Did it have a 179 badge on the back? They were special.
1: They were, yes, and thankfully mine stayed on the back of the car and didn't become a belt buckle, which uh, happened to a lot of other 179 badges.
0: I remember my headmaster got extremely angry when a young kid stole one from outside the school on the back of a car. The EH that you raced went out with a bang?
1: Yes, it did. Um, I was competing at a hill climb at Amaru Park um, in the the early uh, 70s, and uh, trying to better my times, it was towards the end of the day, and I think I'd had about six runs, and I was going for a, a really good time on what would have been my second last run. And as I uh, revved the car to its limit in first gear, I heard an almighty bang, and I thought the worst. I thought I'd blown the motor. Um, but as it turned out, the bang was created by one of the fan blades coming off the fan and actually almost piercing right through the bonnet. Um, it, the fan blade was actually sticking out through the bonnet um, and thankfully the rest of the uh, the motor in the car was all right. So the, uh, the solution was to actually remove the whole fan blade assembly and then another friendly and helpful competitor managed to have a hacksaw in his toolkit and so we sawed off the other half of the uh, blade that was still attached to the the assembly and then put it back on the car so I limped home with a, a two bladed rather than a four bladed fan. Um, thankfully you didn't get stuck in in heavy traffic so it uh, didn't overheat. You did that for balance didn't you? Yes absolutely yeah because it otherwise it had three blades on the fan and of course one of them was uh, completely um, offset by not having its uh, its mate on the other side of the hub so it would have been a very uh, uh, noisy and vibrating sort of uh, operation of the engine if we hadn't taken the other blade off. It seems
0: like your early family was somewhat devout to the Holden cause. You were a bit more ecumenical, weren't you? You've had quite a few, but uh, you've also had quite a range of other cars. Yes,
1: yeah, so, I um, I mean, I was, uh, I was always a very keen Holden fan, and I guess... My first car being the EH, um, there's a lot of sentimental attachment to the brand, and then I bought a Tirana after that. But I, then I started to... I was always a very avid reader of motor magazines, and I started to read about all these exotic uh, European and other sorts of cars. So I, um, my next car after the Tirana was an Alfa Romeo Alfa Sud, and um, I regret to say that's probably turned me off Alfa Romeos for the rest of my life. That um, was a very unreliable... Uh, car it was great when it was going well, but uh, that wasn't very often. So then I, I I went back to Holden's. I had a series of uh, company cars that were Holden's. Uh, there wasn't a lot of choice in the in the company that that you know well. Um, but uh, when the novated lease arrangement uh, started to be introduced, uh, that opened up a lot more um, possibilities in terms of uh, variety of cars. So when I um, Went from my last Commodore, the next car I bought uh, or uh, had through the company car arrangement was a Subaru Liberty wagon and that appealed to me because of the all-wheel drive nature of all Subarus and also they had very good safety ratings and uh, the wagon was a very practical uh, arrangement for the the family car at the time.
0: It's perhaps a reflection of the demise of Holden, isn't it, that company rules began to change and gave you more flexibility uh, and of course overseas Japanese cars began to produce some very high quality cars which weren't necessarily as lumbering as perhaps some of the homegrown product might have been.
1: You're very right there about reliability and the variety of the offerings Holden, um, at the time when I was thinking about buying a wagon, it was basically a Commodore wagon or um, I think by then even the Chimera um, had met its demise. So there was no sort of smaller wagon available. And um, I just found that the, the overall packaging of the Subaru uh, was much better than the Holden in the sense that it used the uh, space much more efficiently uh, the Holden's were, as you say, a bit lumbering and a bit um, a bit bigger than they really needed to be in the bodywork, without offering a whole lot more interior space or practicality.
0: Did your parents forgive you for leaving the fold?
1: Ah, uh, yes. Look, I think uh, even uh, dear old Dad. Uh, I think his last Holden, which I forgot to put in that list, by the way, that was an HJ. Premier, um, and that was actually a 4.2 liter V8. That was the one and only V8 that the family has ever uh, had, and uh, he hung on to that car probably much longer than he really should have, um, and uh, he went from that into a Toyota Camry, so that was the end of the Holden line-up uh, for our family.
0: He would have spent much less on petrol.
1: Absolutely, and um, in fact, it was at the time when um, I think I convinced uh, my father and mother that they really could do with just one car rather than running the two that they they had been running, and uh, so the Camry was a pretty good compromise between uh, uh, the Holden Premier and a Ford Laser. That, see, a Ford actually crept into the family at one stage too. Oh,
0: was that a struggle? That's a four-letter
1: to- word, isn't it? <laughs> It, it wasn't really a struggle. The, the, um, the Ford Laser, which was my mother's car, replaced the Holden Tirana, which again had, had lasted a long time. I think that, that uh, 1970 Tirana lasted through till 1982 from memory. So 12 years was a pretty good run. But um, again, uh, you know, when we were looking at the time and I was helping them with, with that decision, I said, well, there are now some pretty good small cars around which are probably easier to drive. And um, a more sort of practical uh, interior space and so on, so that's why they went for the Ford Laser, and that that was a pretty good car too, I, I remember.
0: Well, General Motors and the products that they got into Australia were never particularly good in those small practical cars. Where they did, was it? Uh, quite logical for your your mother to make that sort of step given the offerings that were around from
1: GM yes I think so um I, I think at the time well there were probably chimera's available at that time um I think that proves my point yeah. <laughs> well I might just remind you David that the, the Chimera was at one stage the wheels car of the year I, I think so um You never know.
0: I interviewed a more recent editor where they were trying to pick the best ever car of the year, and someone mentioned the Chimera, and the editor then said he was sent to the naughty corner.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so it probably wasn't one of their best picks. But you're right. General Motors, I think, then, um, I don't think they did themselves any favour by their choice of some imported cars or some overseas brands which they rebadged as Holdens and um probably a, a low point was um when they changed from the european sourced Barina and changed it over to um i think something that was sourced from uh, korea and the same with the um the later model uh, Holden Cruisers uh, i think which were were based on a, a Daewoo brand uh, car from Korea. I don't think they were terribly successful in terms of doing much for the Holden badge.
0: The Daewoo was not their crowning glory of acquisition. Alan, that's uh, lovely to talk to you. Thank you very much for your
1: time. Thanks, David. Always, ha- always happy to talk.
0: That's Alan Finlay a person who came from a family of devout Holden owners for a while until final reality settled in with times that were a-changing.